two and three Miami Hurricanes at the two and four Virginia Tech Hokies. Here's how Miami wins. You are locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Hurricanes at Virginia Tech. This is your preview episode. And this episode of Locked on Canes is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between the Canes and Hokies right here on Sling. Sling, the TV you love. For a price you'll really love. Try it today. Want to welcome in our good friend, our boy Blue, Larry Bluestein from 560 WQAM and the Six Ring Cane Show. Blue, how are you, sir? Doing good, Alex. Thanks so much. Uh, looking forward to uh, a really good game this week. Kind of a bounce back game after what I think showed a lot of character. I mean, you know, people don't realize North Carolina is a really good football team. And uh, yeah. for Miami to, you know, to emerge in that game and come back, uh, you know, when they look like uh, North Carolina could run away from them, I think that that is step one in the character check. And, uh, you know, I mean, and you know as well as I do, uh, the Hurricane fans, and they have a right to be antsy about everything uh, because they haven't had, you know, the, everything's been promised to them over the last, what, 20 years and things never worked out. So, um, you know, I, I, you know, I can't tell them to be patient, but I can tell them it's going to take a little bit of time. And I think we saw uh, what good coaching could do last week. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm going to consider this game in Blacksburg. It's a must win game. I mean, any slim hopes you have of competing for the coastal championship, like you're way behind the eight ball with North Carolina already, of course, but to keep those slim hopes alive, You've got to beat the Hokies. You're better than the Hokies on paper. you got to beat the Hokies. Also, even if we're just talking about the potential to be bowl eligible, you've got to beat the Hokies if you want to, you know, look at guaranteeing at least six wins to end the season. And, Blue, I want to start with the execution in the red zone. Uh, it's been a big deal for Miami. The Hurricanes are 82nd in the country mm. in red zone scoring. Um, and so a couple of things that I look at, I've had the chance to talk to some former Miami Hurricanes players from Rashad Butler, former offensive tackle who joined us this week, Malik Rozier, who I do the postgame shows with on local radio. And, you know, they've told me that, you know, from like a blocking running short yardage standpoint, it's just so much about attitude, right? That's one. And then the other thing that I look at, Blue, is trying to create mismatches in the passing game. And I look now at Miami, you've got a big target like Will Mallory, who just had his career game in terms of receiving yards last week. Jaleel Skinner, who's stepping up and looking a little bit better every week. The true freshman tight end who's six foot five. He's got a very bright future. And then also my guy Colby Young finally <laughs> burst on the scene. He's a six foot five wide receiver. He's a really tall, lanky target. So you know, Miami should be able to have the length to get some mismatches in the red zone. Well, they should, obviously, you know, but you keep reverting back to the Middle Tennessee State game, knowing that anything could happen at any time. And I want to go back to your red zone offense and why Miami sometimes the inability. I just think personnel wise, and I'm not 
you know, I'm not a coach, but at the same time, I am somebody who's been around the game and I could see what works. And what they do is they do the right thing in between the 20s. But when you get at the 20 yard line, the personnel that they're using is not beneficial to what they're doing. And I and I mean that, frankly, here's a kid and I've said it over and over again. That is the type of back that you run from the 20 in. And, you know, why put the punishment on your on Parrish or, or Rooster uh, on Jalen Knighton? Because they're little backs. They're 165, 170, 175. You know, they're not that big. And why put the constant pressure? Because you know that the opposing team is going to stack the box because Miami, up until last week, really hasn't shown that they, A, can hold on to a ball, and B, be effective in the passing game. So what what uh, Dad Franklin does at 6'2", 225, 230 pounds is wear down the linebackers, wears down the safeties. He's going to get five yards of carry, even at the worst four yards of carry, which is going to get you first down and into the end zone. I kind of scream at Coach Gaddis from the press box or wherever I'm watching the game from is, you know what? And I even had a, a conversation with Coach Smith at the um, at Dillard and St. Thomas game saying, you know, Coach, why is Dad Franklin parked in the garage? He shouldn't be parked mm-hmm. in the garage. I mean, he's he's that he's that Lamborghini that you need inside. I mean, you know, to me, um, you know, I'm a believer in whatever it takes to win games. I, You know, to me, if you're going to hurt, you, you're going to worry about hurting somebody's feelings. Come on. I mean, that's that's not going to get you out of the mess. So I think what they got to do and uh, moving forward is when they get inside the 20 or they have short yardage to make, why waste your your thoroughbreds? Because all you're going to do is you're going to risk injury because, remember, it'll be a tackle to tackle run because on third and one or third and two, you're not running outside because it defeats the purpose, you know, uh, you know, of the game plan. Uh, you want to go tackle the tackle. And there's only one guy on that team right now that has the power, that has the size and the durability. And, uh, and to me, that's what's lacking in, in that, uh, that red zone offense. And, and basically what it would, I think by running him, it kind of opens up your tight end game for Mallory or whoever else is in there at the time you had mentioned Jaleel Skinner and, you know, obviously Colby young who had some really good, uh, had a really good game. And to me, I think North Carolina is a true metric state. I mean, mm-hmm. they're going to be seven, nine and three, most likely at the end of the year. Uh, and, and people keep saying, well, they're not this and they don't have that. And they're offensively. They're as good as anybody I, that Miami will play this year. No doubt. I mean, they open up the, the game. They got a young quarterback, but on the defensive side, they've got athletes. They're young. And, uh, you know, I think Miami performed extremely well, uh, but this week to win the game, you're going to have to execute. And I yeah. know that, you know, even though that you're, you're facing a team that, like you said, that you're better on in paper, you were 18 times better than middle, middle Tennessee state. And there's not a kid on middle Tennessee state that would start for Miami, not one. So that's what I'm saying. Things could happen. It's a mindset. You could tell when Miami came out for pregame and, you know, uh, Jazz Santana and I watch uh, doing our pregame show before the the game, and I said, you know, Miami just, you know, the person with the most fire on the team <laughs> is your head coach, and yeah. and you, that shouldn't be that way. These kids should be just sky high for every single game. 
you know, because who are they to let down against anybody or take anybody for granted? Now they're going into a hostile environment and thank goodness it's not 730 because for some <laughs> reason that enter Sandman becomes a lot more daunting. I've noticed night, that, <laughs> you know, at nighttime, but they're going into a homecoming crowd. That's going to be, so, that is sold out. Yeah, and Miami has to put their head into the game. I mean, I don't care how bad, uh, you know, any team is, but when you give them a motivation uh, to feed off of, uh, I think that's going to be important. So Miami has to play, you know, go in there, play mistake-free football. And in, as you mentioned, inside the 20 or in the red zone, they've got to come away with more than just a field goal or they've got to start scoring touchdowns. You know, those, you know, there's no more moral victories and you're going to see over the next two years, those, those moral victories are going to get less and less because uh, you have a coaching staff that, uh, you know, is that, that hold that will hold their athletes to a higher standard. Yeah. And this will hopefully be an opportunity, and you already started talking about it with Thad Franklin, who needs to be more involved. And I'm hoping yeah. from Henry Parrish to Jalen Knighton, who just had a nightmare game last week. I mean, it was nice he had that big 41-yard catch, but the fourth down drop and the fumble was just the stuff that nightmares are made of. So I want him to bounce back. Right. Uh, and you're going up against a rushing defense in Virginia Tech. They're bang average against the run. And I know that maybe you could say the stat gets skewed a little bit because they got gashed for 326 yards last week against Pittsburgh. But they give up 138 rushing yards per game. Compare that to Miami's rushing defense is very good. They're top 20 in the country. They give up just 100 yards per game. Let's not talk about the passing defense, though. But the rushing defense for Miami is pretty good. But from a Virginia Tech standpoint, you know, obviously the pride defense comes from, you know, the old uh, Bud Foster, you know, Frank Beamer lineage. So it, it's kind of a throwback to, you know, what you used to see in, in better days for Virginia Tech. And, and their top linebacker, Hollyfield, is really, really good. He makes right. plays all over the field blue. But, you know, you're going up against, again, an, an average to slightly below average rushing defense. You think Miami's going to get it going this week? Well, you know what, Alex, I'll be honest with you. I, I you would think that they would, uh, but again, so many factors play in and, and, you know, we came into that middle and I hate to throw that back, but that middle Tennessee game was one of those games that you say, you know what, you can never take any game for granted, especially a homecoming game on the road where there's going to be a sellout. And if you make one mistake, it could get into your head a little bit. And these these Miami players, I know you could say all they want, like, you know, we got to rally and things are going to be different, but they've got to be different. You just can't say that they're going to be different. And what has to happen for Miami to be successful is they have to execute. And execute means no drop passes, no fumbles, no crazy penalties way away from the play that makes no sense at all. Uh, it, and to me, every, there's so many factors that could put Miami on the downside in this game. They've got to find a way to to uh, reverse that. And because it, when you look in reality, it's good not, good and you and I to sit here and say, hey, you know what? Oh, Miami should and they would and. Yeah, but you got to still dress that that team out and play the game, and you got to go out because you're playing with power five kids against you know on the other side of the ball, whether they're as good or as seasoned or you know experienced, it doesn't matter. They're always capable, as a friend of mine would say, that that two thirty hitter is always capable of hitting a three run homer to beat you. You know, yeah. so that that's it. That's very important to understand that you have to limit the big plays. You're not going to stop a team totally, 
but you have to limit the big plays. Don't don't let the crowd get into it because, you know, whether you think so or anybody else thinks so, that makes a big difference. And, you know, when, when you have an opposing crowd that's into the game and, and making life tough to hear and, you know, call, you know, make it because these kids aren't used to. I mean, they they went to Texas A&M and. Certainly, Texas A&M in my book is way overrated. Way, I mean, they oh, played a yeah. good game against Alabama, but that was yeah. an Alabama team without their starting quarterback. And, but the thing is, is they went in there with a mindset that you know we're going to play even with them, and they did. They actually, outplayed them. But you look at the end of the game, they come up with a, a loss. So, I mean, to me, there's a lot of intangibles that have to go into a win. Where you where you have 27 first downs to your opposing team's 14, and you have 501 yards to their 275, and still lose the game, you could game plan and execute all you want, but if you don't get the ball into the end zone and get points, you're going to lose. And that's my point. And you brought up a good point about somebody like a Jalen Knighton. If he's not doing the job running from the line of scrimmage, then get him in space. He's very valuable to get in space, like you pointed out he made the catch he dropped one but that's going to happen but you need to get him in space he's a fat probably the one of the fastest backs uh in the acc he's a, he's still a very good running back despite all the you know all the things that he's you know did wrong in that game so you get him in space you have paris who's your best line from scrimmage runner in between the 20s and he may bust one or go for 50 that's what you got to do you got to kind of mix it up play to your strengths and you, you know, the funny thing is, is obviously, like, you know, one of the kids, I think I told you this story a couple of weeks ago when I was watching the game, uh, he made a great play, uh, you know, on on one of these really nice plays, a nice design play, and he looked, and he kind of looked over to the opposing team, and he goes, I watch Phil, you know, so, <laughs> and that's important to understand that Virginia Tech is watching film, and they understand what's going to happen, so, what I think if Gaddis could show his real metal here and, and, you know, throw him a curveball, and then, yeah. then all of a sudden come out with, you know, with Thad Franklin, who you only ran three times in the last game for some crazy reason. I don't understand it. Yeah. <clears throat> no. And they're going to expect they're going to play a safety coverage up top on Will Mallory because they know, <clears throat> excuse me, he's got wide, wide receiverish type of speed, but tight end size. And, you know, so, with that in mind, throw him a curveball. Do something else. You know, throw to Burchard Smith. Get your, get your, uh, you know, get somebody else involved. And that, if you look at schools like uh, Oklahoma and Alabama, well, we won't use Oklahoma. Yeah, let's not use Oklahoma this week. Yeah. <clears throat> but in Alabama or Ohio State or Georgia, what they do is they come at you with different people all the time. So, and, you, and you say, wow, where'd that guy come from? Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, not every team is the same and not all matchups are the same. And, you know, you may go into this game. And as you mentioned, linebacking wise, Virginia Tech is not bad. So that means you you may want to go away from some of the things that you did last week, you know, in the game against North Carolina, who is young at linebacker, young in the secondary, but not terrible, you know, up front. So that's what I'm saying. So you're going to face a different team, a team that doesn't have the talent and obviously they they've been losing games and, and and losing them pretty handily but everything changes week to week and that's why i say going in i 100 agree with you miami should go in here and take care of business 
but it's a different week. And yeah. uh, will the Miami offense that had, what, 500 and something yards last week show up again? I mean, you don't know. They didn't show up the, the game before. They showed up the game before and the two games before that, Southern Mississippi, they kind of like, you know, went into a shell. And to me, uh, you know, and, and, and I, I've said this and I said this in a post-game uh, press conference, I said, if Mario Cristobal comes in here today after the North Carolina game and takes blame, I'll, I'll scream. I'll scream. You know, it's been 30 years since he put a uniform on. All they could do in this coaching staff prepares that team. They can't play the game. Sure. They prepare them extremely well. They can't make tackles. Uh, they can't run the ball. They can't throw the ball. And, and he's got to stop that because – Everybody in that room knows that Mario Cristobal and his staff had spent that seven, eight day or seven days busting their tail to game plan to put these kids in the right position on both sides of the ball. So to come in and say, well, you know, that was on me. No, it wasn't on you. You know, you got to stop that. You know, I mean, because if you watch and you watch um, uh, and you're at the game. So if you're if you're there, like, let's say the Duke game in two weeks. Look down be in an hour and hour before the game and look who's the energetic guy and look who's going from place to place and never stops your head coach. Yeah, so for right. him to take the blame, oh, it's my fault. It's not your fault. It, it's their fault for not coming out with their hair on fire. And that's what's got to happen this week. You've got to kind of silence that crowd. Yeah, they're going to be I mean, you're going to have 70, 65,000 people that 92% are going to be Virginia Tech fans. So you have to take them out. You take them out early, like back in the day. And it's never been easy for Miami to play there. You know that. I mean, mm -hmm. Lane Stadium has not been a friendly place for Miami for as long as I can remember back in the Michael Vick era and all that. So, yeah, Miami's got to turn the tables. And, and like I said, it's a good thing that this is a, a day game because it changes the entire atmosphere. I mean, you know, I've been there. I went there in uh, 2005 and uh, I'll tell you what, that nighttime crowd makes a whole big difference you know, they've had that all day to party and, you know, and then as soon as they come walking, you know, from the building through the tunnels and all that stuff. And you, you know, all of a sudden you hear enter Sandman, it kind of like puts the intimidation factor on the other team. So, you know, people say, Oh, that's garbage. It's not garbage. There's no, a lot not. to, a lot to be in a home team. And that's why home teams always, they always say, well, home teams have a seven point advantage because of the fact that, they, that, you know, what they get at home. So I think you're a hundred percent right. Miami is a better football team. Um, you know, and it's tough to say that because you're only in the first year of what I think is going to be a great career for Mario Cristobal. But uh, you could see the personnel. Uh, Miami's getting better personnel. They're inserting young kids. And that's the thing, too. I think you and I talked about that last time that we were here. You said, will Coach Cristobal use those young kids and how comfortable will he be? Well, you answered it. Jaleel mm -hmm. Skinner, he feels extremely co comfortable with him and, and Colby Young and guys like that to the point where he's inserting them uh, in the game now and, and not even thinking twice and, and saying, well, you know, he doesn't, oh, well, they're freshmen. No, he he sees them. And and, and, and and I think there's so much so much negativity when he comes up with you practice how you play and, blah, you know, you have to do it in practice. A hundred percent. How you, you do anything is how you do everything. I 100% agree yeah. with it because of the fact that how else are you going to determine 
who's going to be the starter other than what they're doing in practice, you know, because if they go about their business and practice, you know, as well as I do, there's no way that, that Mario Cristobal and that coaching staff is going to sabotage their program by using a guy that doesn't belong to start. Exactly. And uh, yeah. And remember the media doesn't get to see anything, you know, they get to say hi for 10 minutes and then come back at the post game, but they don't know what's going on. So what it is, it's like, you and I, when they were looking for coaches, you know, uh, you know, after Al Golden and then after, you know, Manny and everybody speculates because they don't hear. If you don't hear anything, then they kind of make up stuff. So all these media people, uh, you know, start making up these scenarios and how, oh, it's garbage that you don't, you know, the, this guy should be starting. No. In Thad Franklin's case, you could see his on-field impact. And so when I say that, you know, because I know people are probably say, well, Larry, you know, you just said that. How do you know what's going on in practice? And I've heard that sometimes that don't practice as well as he mm-hmm. he, he really should be. Uh, can, can, but, can we pick up this thought on the other side? Blue? Yeah, and I also and I want to ask Larry Bluestein about Mario Cristobal recruiting the area, because with 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 a lot of vibes about maybe Ruben Bain is going to leave the state. It's getting a lot of people worried. Hey, you know, we're paying this coaching staff a lot of money and they can't lock down the South Florida kids. So we're going to get to that and more right after, guys. We have to talk about underdog fantasy. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football season. Guys, it's so easy to get started. I've been playing underdog since 2020. So easy to create an account. Very easy to deposit, withdraw. You're making real money here, guys. Go to the Underdog website or the Underdog mobile app and look for the different Pick'em choices, okay? We've got selections for our game this week, guys. Uh, I am I like Tyler Van Dyke higher than 240 and a half passing yards. I like Will Mallory higher than 55 and a half pass, uh, receiving yards. It seems like a gimme. I also, I like Virginia Tech's Caleb Smith, their top wide receiver, higher than 60, 67 and a half passing yards, given what Miami's been giving up lately. Go to Underdog and make your own picks. You can use mine if you want. You can fade my picks if you want. It's so easy to play, and it's available in over 30 states. Just pick between two and five players across any team. Decide if they're going to finish higher or lower. One of the easiest fantasy-to-play games out there. You can win cold, hard cash with a single game. Sign up with our promo code Locked On at Underdog Fantasy. That's all one word. And Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. It's that easy. Deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com. Or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or the Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code locked on. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts. Available free on YouTube. So Blue, um, you know they're uh, Ruben Bain, Miami Central stud and a Miami legacy. He's even got you know a brother who's on the staff, I believe, as a, as a GA. So there's a lot of Miami connections for Ruben. Um, you know, he just got a crystal ball to Auburn for what that's worth earlier this week. And we know Alabama has been recruiting Bain heavily, as has Miami. There's a lot of concern that he's going to leave the state. Um, do you share that concern? Well, the only thing that I heard now, and, and it probably won't happen, is they said if uh, Deion Sanders gets a job at Auburn, then he's going to go. And there's a yeah. few guys that are going to go. Uh, but I don't think Dion will leave where he's at. He came there for a reason. Uh, he wanted to put a stamp on the HBCU uh, 
a division and he wanted to make sure that the, the, the HBCU programs were elevated and spotlighted. So I don't think he's leaving. Um, you know what? It's really tough read because of the fact that Ruben, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people in his ear. And when that happens, uh, no matter how many relatives you have, uh, and then I believe he's uh, um, related to Carlton Davis from Miami, New Orleans, who was an Auburn defensive back, is in the NFL, mm-hmm. I believe, was with Tampa Bay. And that was another reason why I heard there was a rumor. But it, it, it's a tough read because when I had him on the show, our radio show uh, during the summer, you know, he, he was and everywhere you see him, it probably doesn't mean much, but he wears university of Miami stuff. Uh, you know, so, uh, you know, it, it, it's a real tough read. You would think that the, that, that things are, and they haven't stopped. They're going crazy to recruit them. Uh, and they should be, uh, you know, obviously just because you can't take anything for granted. So to answer your question, I'm not concerned, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised, you know, at this okay. point, because there's a lot, especially with the NIL deals going on. You don't know if anything is is uh, for sure. And and, uh, you know, and, and the other thing is all the talk about Brandon Innes was the same thing is people said, you know, you go to Ohio State and you're going to be another dude for a while. You come to Miami and you're wide receiver one. Right off the bat. I mean, it yeah. doesn't. And this would like, be for sure. Yeah. But so that's what I'm saying. So in those cases, I'm never going to close the door until the doors close, till they sign and, you know, or they're gone and on campus. So uh, I, I, I'm not real concerned. But at the same time, you, you know how recruiting is and you know how, you know, and, and John Beeson was a perfect example, even though it was a different time. Everybody yeah. had him signed, sealed to Georgia as a running back. Right. And he and his mom took the visit to Miami as the only two people that weekend. And it kind of switched his mind. You know, hey, they're showing a lot of love towards me. So anything can happen, Alex. Uh, you know, I'm, I I wouldn't be surprised, but I'd be a little bit disappointed because I thought he was kind of a Miami, as you said, Miami legacy has a lot of ties to Miami. And his family gets an opportunity to watch him at home and yeah, they have to solidify Dade County. They've done pretty well, you know. Yeah, and, I mean, and I wanted to ask you about that because, um, you know, and, and we've seen some big-time players verbally commit in, in this class 2023, you know, outside of South Florida, even outside of Florida, you know, like Jalen Brown to LSU, you know, Hakeem Williams committed to Florida State. And so, you know, and a lot of people are – they're already acting as if Reuben Bain is, is gone, which, again, it's not. It's not over yeah. with him for sure. But – I see a lot of fans like freaking out, like, hey, like, is this staff actually going to start locking down the area? Nobody goes to more high school games than you do, Blue. Like, nobody has better connections than you do. How do you feel Cristobal and this staff are doing with the local high schools? Well, you've got three premier players. I mean, you know, that everybody wanted and everybody still wants. And and Nathaniel Joseph from Edison, who's a game changer, Robbie Washington and Bobby Washington, who are game changers. So you still have them, uh, you know, to, to start with. And, you know, you look back in the in, in the, the heydays and, you know, maybe in the 80s and then to the 90s and the early 2000s. Miami lost guys like Derek Thomas and Steve Hutchinson and Marvin Jones and all these guys. And it's going to happen. It definitely is going to happen. Uh, But if you could get maybe five, six, seven kids in each cycle from South Florida, not just because remember Broward has become a, a very big time player in the athletes that they produce as well. So if you could get, I'd say five or six kids in each cycle, 
you know, that's over a four year period. That's like 20 something kids from just one area, which is pretty darn good because you look at at some of the areas like, like a Birmingham, Alabama, they don't get a lot of kids from Tuscaloosa and Birmingham. You get a lot of kids from Mississippi and they're not more of a national team. Same thing with Ohio state, get a lot of kids from Pennsylvania. They get a lot of kids from Michigan. Uh, And, and that's the point that I'm trying to make. I mean, even when the success that Oklahoma's had 75% of their rosters from Texas, Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm trying to say. It, it's important to get really good players uh, from your home area, but it's not essential to get as many as these people think. You, you don't want to get, you know, like they did that year, all those kids from Northwestern. How'd that work out? Right. Oh, I mean, well. <laughs> you know, I mean, it didn't work out real, real good. I mean, you had like out of that class, Jacory did real well. Sean Spence what, and Brandon Washington were probably the only guys to. Uh, and and force them to do anything at the next level in the NFL. But my point is this. Don't be consumed at what they're not getting in in Miami-Dade County, but consume that you got a Francis Mauagoa from outside the area who's a stud. And and eventually, I think guys like him and all the three tight ends that they've been able to get and some of the other kids from outside, the uh, Gary and people like that, if you win, then these kids are going to want to come here. And, you know, and that's what I'm saying. I I wouldn't put too much stock into it. If you could get, I think if they get two or three more kids from this area, what's wrong with that? Having five and six kids in a cycle like this? Nah, I, I, I totally disagree when I hear that all the time. Oh, you should have more kids. Why? Why? Well, if if you could get better kids somewhere else, well, go get them. I mean, you know, but. But like I said, Alex, they got three really, really good kids right now. And and uh, certainly when some of these next year, they're going to still have kids from last year, like Restrepo and players like that that come from the area. Now, I think they're doing OK. I mean, like I said, anybody would take the three kids that they have right now. Believe me. We're going to take a look. Uh, final preview thoughts. And guys, some of the important numbers, courtesy of Bet Online, because again, Miami's favored this week. I know you guys had a problem with that last week, and Miami did lose to North Carolina. The Hurricanes are favored once again. Keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Let's take a look at some of the numbers for this one. Miami at Virginia Tech, courtesy of Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, Blue, the Miami Hurricanes, they are seven-point favorites in this game on the road. Uh, the over-under is 46 points. So, it, it, it's two struggling offenses, yes. Like, so, you can understand why the number – like, for college football, 46 is really low for an over-under. But, like, you can understand it because Miami can't score in the red zone. Uh they were bad on third and fourth downs last week against North Carolina. They were eight for 20 on third and fourth down and Virginia Tech's offense. They're basically ranked in the hundreds in almost every statistical category. I will say though, blue, I think Virginia Tech's offense, they are trending better. I mean, for one thing, they got one of their top running backs back last week, Malachi Thomas. I would say he is their top running back. Uh, and so they're they're now more whole in the backfield. And Thomas ran really well against Pittsburgh. You know, uh, obviously Grant Wells isn't having a great start to the year at quarterback, but he's been trending better the last couple of games. His highest pro football focus ratings have come in the past two games, and he's got some 
good targets to throw the football to. Uh, Caleb Smith, their their top wide receiver, averages over 16 yards per catch. He scored a couple of touchdowns. He's got over 400 receiving yards so far. Uh, their tight end, Nick Gallo, is a big target at six foot four and a solid target. Um, so with the way Miami's passing defense has gone recently, obviously you have to worry, are they going to have any blown coverages? Because it only takes one blue because like, you know, the Hurricanes defense really tightened up in the second half last week. I mean, they ended up, they gave uh, up, uh, you know, Drake May threw for over 300 yards, made some big plays in the game, but Miami didn't give up a whole lot in the second half, but the damage was done in that first half. Like it only takes one or two coverage breakdowns as we've seen to give up 75 yard touchdowns. Well, the thing about Grant Wells, he's thrown more interceptions than touchdowns. So that's, (laughs) that's a, that's a pretty good factor to have in, but at the same time, you know, you mentioned that Malachi is coming back, but Keyshawn King has done a pretty good job. He's not a terrible back. You know, the, the kid is run. I watched him a little bit last week. I mean, he, he runs the ball extremely well. Is he what they've had in the past? Probably not. But to me, what's going to happen on, on the offensive side of the ball is you remember back in the day when Miami used to get bullied by the big offensive linemen, the quality, they don't have that. They have young kids, but they don't have seasoned veterans. If you remember like the kid Jim Pine and guys that they had, when you would come in there, they'd have fifth year seniors that are 23 years old. And, you know, they've been there a while. They don't have that. And that's the one difference right now that I think from an offensive standpoint, that Miami has a unique advantage and, you can't say that all the time when they go up to play every or they play Virginia Tech in, in itself. You always go, Miami's going to have a tough time up front. I don't think that's going to be the problem. I think that, you know, especially offensively, they're not going to be able to. I think you'll have a lot of holding plays because Miami's very quick off the edge. You look at the, the, uh, the, the, the play that a lot of the Miami defensive ends have been having. I mean, you know, you can't say enough about how Mitchell Agudi and, and, and guys like that have been, been able to play their linebacking core. Mesador has been solid. And, and that's what I'm saying. You know, everybody wants to and, – and this is my big discussion. Everybody wants to say, hey, Corey Flagg. Corey Flagg's a second-leaning tackler in the ACC. Yeah. He's, I mean, come he's on. played really well. The thing I've noticed, so like, people just love to nitpick Corey Flagg so much. Like, he'll have a really solid game, but people will find a one play where he looks slow in coverage. Yeah. And they're like, this yeah. guy sucks. He led Miami in tackles last year. He's going to lead him again. He, he leads him by 26 now. So yeah, I know he, you got to stop that because he's a productive guy. And the thing is, is guys like Wesley Bessaint, they play off of him because mm-hmm. they see, wow, he's a playmaker. And I don't care if he's six, one, one ninety or whatever, early two hundreds. It doesn't matter. The productivity is everything. I say it all the time. You could be six, six and three forty and not do a damn thing so to me my point is this the zach thomases of the world who are undersized and everything oh he's too small but look at the look at the end of the game people like that fill up the stats and 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 he's certainly one of them i think secondary wise right now uh they're they're kind of in flux i think Corey. i mean i think that ivy's playing a whole lot better over the last what two three games but then you look at other i mean and cam kitchens is i sat there and told you three years ago that he was the big steal that nobody knows about. Yes. He's the best he's the best player on the defensive side of the ball. He's a playmaker, 100%. he makes things happen. You know, James Williams obviously is 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 the dude, but 
it, you could be all the the size you want and all the quickness you want, but if you don't make plays at the end yeah. of the day, you look He's at less consistent. Like Cam Kitchens is more consistent than James by Gordon. far. By far. And, and you know what? The whole thing is if he keeps playing the way he has, I think he and Corey Flagg are going to find themselves on the first team of the all ACC at the end of the year. They will, because you look at the productivity and they're going to be from the stat wise, they're going to be way up top. And that's what I'm saying. But you, I think Miami struck goal with Mesador, who's another guy when he's healthy. I mean, he's got that first step. That's crazy. He's longer. Uh, he has a passion for the game. Yeah, I, on both sides of the ball, Miami's got the playmakers. Now they just got to come to play, and they've, uh, you know, they if they come to do what they did last week. I mean, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling you again, North Carolina statistically will be one of the top five offenses in the country at the end of the year in the country, not just in the ACC. So you know, to do what you did against them and and, and trade punch for punch shows you that you could play with anybody when you, when you don't make a lot of mistakes. And, and I thought they showed character. They could have, they could have, it could have unraveled really, really big in the first quarter in the first half, but it didn't, they showed character. They made plays, you know, they forced may into doing things that he wasn't used to do. Um, Yeah. And then they got a great performance, obviously out of uh, Tyler Van Dyke, who all of a sudden, and this is what I'm saying after the middle Tennessee state game, you had all these people, the Hurricane fans or whatever, oh, he's the worst. He won't even go in the ninth round and all this stuff. But now after a performance last week, he's right back in, oh, he's, yep. he's as good as Bryce Young. He's a, <laughs> <laughs> Make up my mind, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to get to uh, – uh, but before we wrap it up, I, I want to give predictions. And uh, so this way people will know they can blame me. Like if the game doesn't go the way you want, it's all Dono's fault, right? Because – you know, if if I pick Miami to win and they lose, it's my fault. If I pick Miami to lose and they lose, uh, you know, I, I jinx them or whatever. But uh, so the Hurricanes, for historical context, they have won four of the last five meetings with Virginia Tech, seven of the last ten. Uh, and so I'm wondering how this one's going to go. Blue, I do think Miami gets the dub here. Um, I think we we saw progress last week. It's obviously about execution on offense, and I think you're going to need to create some turnovers on defense. Thankfully, you're going up against a quarterback who's thrown more INTs than touchdowns this yeah. year. I'm going to go with the Canes to get a 31-21 to 21 dub. I'm going to okay. go with Miami to win, and I guess by my logic, uh, you could cash that over 47 as well, which I do think is a really, really low number, even with two struggling offenses. So I've got Miami getting a 10-point dub, 31-21 in Blacksburg. What say you? I have Miami winning. I don't think they're going to cover. I think it'll be 34-28. Um, you know, they'll come in right at the end, and I just think that, you know, Miami will, you know, find a way to pull it out in the end only because they have more of an offensive attack, and they could be relentless on the offensive side of the ball. But their defense still remains a concern to me. Uh, you know, I mean, from a cohesive standpoint, they're going to have to get pressure. They're going to have to play well on the backside. So, yeah, I think it'll be 34-28. The crowd's going to keep Virginia Tech in the game. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Make sure you guys follow Larry Bluestein at Larry Bluestein on Twitter. Make sure you check out his awesome high school high school football show on 560 WQAM. And I know, Blue, sometimes you guys jump around uh, with all the sports games going yeah. on. Are you usually on Monday nights, right? Is that the normal well, night? 
They're putting us now on Tuesday. Uh, we're on after Hurricane Hotline because now with WQAM, they've pretty much taken every sports team that's breathing in South Florida and, right. and having them on the station. So we have to dance around the heat and the Panthers. So this week, coming week, will be Tuesday, uh, 6 to 8, and the following week will be Wednesday from 6 to 9. Uh, we will be a lead nice. into the Miami Heat. So in, in this week, we're working on a really nice guest, uh, former University of Miami Hurricane Bill Hawkins, who will have his jersey retired at, at South Broward next Thursday. And uh, we're uh, hopefully that Bill's going to join us on our Tuesday show and talk a little bit about that, what he's doing now. Remember, he was as good as anybody back in the day and oh, yeah. uh, certainly went on to play professionally with the Rams. And uh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, but we usually have high school guests, college guests. Um, and it's, it's a lot of fun. And, and we talk, we cover every college in the state. We have either a reporter or a coach or so, and, and they come on and talk a little bit about uh, every team. And obviously we do a hurricane segment every single week. And uh, you've joined us a couple of times and we'll be fishing you in a couple of weeks again to get, Anytime. get you back on. And, uh, yeah, we even had our boy Josh Darrell on two weeks ago, which was fun. I haven't, we hadn't talked to him, but he's got a unique, ex- uh, pr- um, a uh, unique perspective that nobody else has. He's a sideline reporter who hears all and sees all. Yeah, no, no doubt. So make sure you check out Blue's work. Guys, make sure you're supporting the entire Locked On network, like Locked On ACC. I join Candace every Thursday. Make sure you make them your second listen. Thanks for making us your first. Miami Hurricanes at Virginia Tech Hokies, 12.30 p.m. on Saturday, October 15th. Let's get that dub. We'll talk to you next time on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network. Your team, every day.